This is the Creasecast. Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Creasecast. I am your host, Cody Severson. With me, as always, is Lachlan Urban, fresh out of Petaluma, California. Uh, I am in sunny Port Moody, BC. Hell yeah. And coming to you with another like, oh shit, the Habs just tied it up. Oh, in case okay. you were wondering, yeah, what time we're recording this, we are from the future. We're from the, no, the past. I guess the past, yes. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, what? yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah. That would make if it, it were live, it would be kind of, it'd be almost like we're live, part of, in the future. Marginally in the future. If we were live streaming, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so, yeah, we are recording at 7.40 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury just uh, bungled the puck in his own skates and oh, coughed it up to Josh I Anderson. Oh, oh, the easiest goal that Josh Anderson will ever score in the playoffs. Flurry looked like he was going to smash a stick, but he decided not to. An Man, embarrassing a- goal to tie the game up at two. I'm sure the crowd is loving it. I'm loving it. And that kind of, that's actually a perfect segue because we wanted, one of our topics of conversation we wanted to get into because obviously there's really not a whole lot going on in the Canucks uh, state of the world in the hockey universe. But goaltending is because, of course, uh, the votes are getting released on NHL year-end awards. And we were kind of talking earlier about the Vezina vote and just how weird it is that the GMs are the ones that get the say in who was the best goaltender. Um, we in the Vancouver market are of course privy to people like Kevin Woodley from in goal magazine, who is very candid in the fact that uh, GMs around the league will call him and others uh, at in goal magazine for stats and basically the decision on who they should vote for and it kind of just we were thinking like okay well but why do the gms make the call at all why don't they just let the goaltending coaches handle it since they're the ones that you know would understand the role and understand who to vote for what stats to look at the gms have a lot on their plate as it is the ones that are currently watching their teams play in the playoffs probably don't know what's going on in the North division goaltending ranks. The guys that are on the outside looking in are probably trying to build their team for the future. They don't, they're not pouring over the video of, you know, Mark Andre Fleury versus Andre Vasilevsky uh, right now. They're a bit busy. So Lachlan as a, I think you're a fan of goaltending. I'm not too sure you might be. Um, What are your thoughts on this whole GMs voting or making the final say on who was the best goaltender? It's, it's really weird. Like it's not weird in the sense of like, okay, if every single award was voted on by the players um, or like, sorry, the, the general managers, it would make sense. Like it would make, okay. I'd be like, whatever. But it's so weird that this one particular award for this one particular position is yeah. exclusively voted on by the 30 general managers of the NHL. It just doesn't make any sense. It's it's especially because, you know, they don't have time. They don't have time to deal with that. Uh, it, it like and like you said, Woodley generally gets like uh, asked by by people in the, who would be voting on those awards mm-hmm. to. Uh, what they should be looking at here. And it's kind of like, look, we, we, you know, we give a lot of flack to general managers, 
on the show from time to time for their very weird decisions. From yeah, okay, just occasionally. <laughs> and I'm kind of and I'm gonna be kind slightly sympathetic here to the general managers of like they've got a thousand other things that are far more important than oh my god, I've got to keep up on um, what Jonas Corpasalo is doing as, as the general manager of the Dallas Stars. I totally care about what's going on there, right? Oh, and, definitely. Well, this year he might have because I think there was some division. <laughs> but in yeah. normal years, no, you don't care. You're not. You're not keeping that that stringent an eye on what's going on in those other market in the, like in their in the net. It's 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 uh it's not worth your. It's just just take it off their hands. Give it to the media yeah. people. Let them vote for it. It doesn't and, it doesn't help. It doesn't. It, I highly doubt there's any real incentive for those general managers to uh, vote on the award anyway. So it's like, okay, just give it to the media. If the, the media is already voting on like what, 95% of the awards, give mm-hmm. the G- if the GMs really want to vote on something, I don't know, give them something else. Just give them some, make, literally make a new award that's not so important uh, in terms of like how the awards are. Yes, NHL awards, depending on who you ask, are meaningless or they're just kind of there. But like- yeah. Keep in mind that those awards do matter to the players. They matter to you know the well, they impact they, they impact, uh, they impact contract you know, contracts. They impact negotiations. Like I'm sure Rod Brindamore, you know, when he was renegotiating his deal with Carolina to return, like he, you know, obviously got nominated for a Vesna and was like, or not not Vesna, a Jack Adams. Jack Adams. He was like, you know, I could increase my uh, ask by 500k because I've like, I've got the proven track record of being a, like an elite coach for this team. Like he doesn't strike me as the type that would, but like other coaches might use that as like a, you know, it's a resume pattern. Like uh, I've been nominated for X award. I was voted on as the best coach by everyone evaluating the league. Whereas like hundred percent, it, it bring, it boosts your value to mm -hmm. boost your, your personal uh, monetary value by a country mile. Like absolutely. Yeah. It's just very, strange that like like the media gets a say in a bunch of other votes they like just trust them to do everything then <laughs> like, like why, honestly why do players have to have a say it's kind it of like be. it's like super it's superlatives like you know we're like like at the end of like when you're leaving high school they'd be like okay uh the populace is gonna vote on like most likely to be caught sleeping in class I won that, by the way. Actually, no, I, I came in second. I didn't. I didn't win. Oh I came God. in second. I, I. I wait. Was this in your school? This was in school. This, this is high school. Yeah, yeah. I got. That's I got so voted funny. second most likely to, to be caught falling falling asleep in class. And then like, in, they have the other ones too, where it's like most likely to become like, I don't know, like a politician or like to run run the country. And I think my my best friend, uh, <laughs> he he won that. I was gonna say, I don't funny. think you're. I would be shocked if you had won that. Oh uh, my God, no. Yeah, most, yeah won, maybe most likely most to like likely burn a country to the ground accidentally, but not actually run one. In a middle school, um, um, uh, most likely vote. I was voted once most likely to go to the Olympics, and by that point, I had already been once uh, to the 2010 games as a spectator. But uh, <laughs> I've been before. Yeah, uh, same thing. Same competitor, thing. visitor. It's the same crap. Whatever. Yeah, it's totally the same. Uh, yeah, so, but like it, yeah. that's what it reminds me of. Is like is like the players should be voting on like they already do kind of when they're like, you know, the, the snappiest dresser and they all voted for Austin Matthews and his weird mustache and 
like a Hawaii five O Miami vice vibes, but like do more of that. Like the players vote on all the fun things because they have personality. We're, we're desperate to convince you that our player base has a personality. So here's their votes on all a bunch of a weird crap that like no one really cares about and they don't really matter towards contract negotiations and then let the media, the people that evaluate the league and league wide trends, league wide players, let them handle it. And then the GMs can vote on, I don't know, something the, look, to do with organizations. Do? Easy, I don't know. Easy way, easy way to solve this. Literally give the GMs a chance to vote on all the other awards as well. Like in terms of, Add the literally give the like still have the media vote on all the awards and then just be mm-hmm. like okay uh, every GM also gets a vote in, every year yeah, as well because sure. then it can be kind of a okay you, even if you don't vote it's not going to impact a lot like well maybe or maybe you because or to in order to keep it from completely changing the final vote or whatever maybe it's like okay only sixteen of you will vote this year and then the other sixteen will vote next year kind of thing yeah. where yeah, just- it's like. Because, I mean, that in the media, I believe, as well, it's a, okay, only every year a, a select few get to vote each year. It yeah. changes. This, the the yeah. people who vote get a, it changes every year depending on uh, the city, uh, mm-hmm. what outlet you work for. There's, like, all sorts of different things that I think factor into it. Um, but, yeah, so, just, change yeah. It, just change it up, like, based on, like, make it so that, like, I mean, right now it's the illusion of, like, exclusivity. Like, ooh, look at this elite club of people voting on the awards from the gms it's like they don't even know what the what the fuck they're voting on half the time that their fact that they're asking like experts to make the call for them because they don't have the time that tells it right there just leave it to the people that actually know what they're doing and like erase the idea matters to them to get that done yeah like just just get rid of the whole like a, like the illusion of that this is some like prestigious award because the GMs are voting on it. It's not. And, es- es- <laughs> and es- especially because I don't consider generally speaking, if there's one part of a hockey team that I don't consider most GMs to be a real, a real good expert on it's goaltending. Mo- yes. This year, that's why... I mean, this year they did a fine job. Like this year, all the finals, like the finalists are never like, egregious or anything i'm always like yep yeah, okay i get it but like sometimes it's like there are other guys who i might have expected to be kind of higher on this list or i think could have been in the finale and the finalists here mm-hmm. uh and yeah gms generally are, are another one of the groups is like goalies are voodoo and we don't understand them yeah we don't know all. so we'll leave it to Just, kevin woodley to tell us what i don't know uh andre vasilevsky again um yeah it's a lot of legacy stuff too where they're just like we don't know who to vote for for the goaltenders uh, here's the here's the top three. Uh, Vasilevsky's on a really good team. Uh, Philip Grubauer is on a really good for team. Like the fifth year in a row. Like, yeah, it's a lot of like you can almost see the thought process where the the collective GMs sorted uh, the league by like uh, winners or like most points or most wins, and then they saw who the starting goalie was, and we're like, yeah, okay, those three, pick those guys, yeah. and then and and, that's it. And yeah, and I mean, if there's any better proof that the GMs need to not have the goaltending uh, vote anymore, it's the fact that Roberto Luongo did not win the 2007 Vezina, even though he was far and away the best goaltender in the NHL and finished second in Hart Trophy voting that year for league MVP. The only yeah. person who finished in front of him was Sidney Flip and Crosby. Uh, he deserved to win goalie of the, the Vezina Trophy. 
And now people love to use the whole, oh, but Luongo didn't win any, uh, didn't win any per, uh, individual any, awards any individual as awards an excuse for why he shouldn't get his jersey retired by the Canucks or why he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. It's complete yeah. bullcrap. It's a, uh, it, yeah. And yeah, I get that Bruder set a wins record that year. He also played in front of a way better team. Like, don't even get me started on that. I mean, I'm already started on it. But, <laughs> but you can go you gonna, on about it. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that segues into like that conversation kind of segues into one of the uh, vo- or the awards that was uh, being dished out, which was the GM of the year awards. Um, yes. And just kind of on the whole topic of like goaltending and GMs have no idea what to do about goaltending. They rely on basically experts to tell them what to do or who to trust and rely on. Um, one of the, uh, or the, uh, the uh, guys that were, nominated for GM of the year. Yeah, the three uh, finalists. Are all GMs of teams that have had like like horrible runs of goaltending luck in the past uh season or sorry, not not bad goaltending luck, but great goaltending luck that got them to where they are. So Mark Bergevin, he of course had Carey Price who's been, you know, there for him and had kind of a shitty year, but then he's kind of turned it around in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou Lamorello, he's you know had a good run of getting like elite goaltending, and that a lot of that has to do with the the play structure that they play around with Barry Trotz, how like not permissive they are on shots or goals allowed or chances or whatever, and then Bill Zito, who basically ro- rode like Chris Drieger and Spencer Knight and a bunch of kids to playoffs and. The guy that was signed before him, like it wasn't his fault, but Sergey yeah, Bobrovsky, no, a ten million dollar goaltender, absolutely gave him nothing. So you have like all these GMs that are basically riding the high of like, like unprecedented goalie success to yeah. become GM of the year nominees, which is very funny. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, they make the vote after the second round of the playoffs, which. Yeah. It's just the stupidest thing because yeah. teams can luck their way through the playoffs. And then, then what the people voting are like, Oh wow. Luck. They're this player, this person's GM of the year because this team lucked his way to the, the second yeah. round. Like it's what? The, this is one of, this is one of the most galaxy brain things I've ever seen. Literally every yeah. single other NHL award is voted on after at the end of the conclusion of the regular season it is based mm-hmm. entirely on how your team did during the regular season and here we have a three like three finalists for gm of the year because and because this took place uh after the second round of the playoffs the guy who who uh built the president's trophy winner winning team the colorado avalanche joe sakic is not here he's one of he literally had built the best team in the league, and yeah. he's not here. And guess what? The person that built the second best team in the league, Kelly McCrimmon of the Golden Knights, also <laughs> not, here, not here. It's literally three Tampa teams. Bay Lightning, Julian Breezebois. He's not there either. And it's quite literally the holy, hey, your team's di- – they're, they're turning it into the Jack Adams Award, where it's, oh, your team did better than I expected, particularly yeah. in the goal t- particularly in the goaltending and playoff department. Um uh, the Panthers, like the one team 
that I'm literally like, okay, yeah, you deserve to be here is Bill Zito with the Panthers. Yeah. Because yeah, sure. He wrote like, yeah, sure. The goaltending was like pretty darn good down the stretch of the Panthers, but they all, he also added a lot and like mm. uh, changed a lot about the, the Panthers depth, specifically the way they approach uh, bringing in depth contracts and everything. And yeah. he built a great, he built a, a, a much stronger Panthers team and it only took him one year to do it. Uh, so I completely give him credit for that. Yeah. But okay, Lou Lamorello, like, okay, I, the, there's a lot of people like, okay, I understand that, yeah, he built pretty decent teams. His record shows that they don't miss the playoffs all that often. Mm. He's a relatively strong. I know some people have very uh, much stronger opinions on Lou Lamorello, particularly uh, I know Sa- I know Samantha Samantha yeah. Chang has a has a very strong opinion, but I'm kind of like, well, okay, like he's he's fine, he does all right, he does a pretty like you know he he at least gets teams that probably shouldn't make the playoffs and is able to build something that yeah gets into the postseason. That's fair. The team finished fourth in their division. Like why? Why does that warrant GM of the year? They finished in the, they nearly missed the playoffs to a certain extent. Yeah, they were nine points up on the Rangers, but yeah. they were the last team in their division. Come on. Like, that doesn't warrant GM of the year. Neither does Montreal. They finished fourth in a division that was terrible. Like, they're, yeah, sure, they made it like, far in the they, they're, they're also completely capped out for next season. And so it's yeah. like, like, what are we evaluating here? Are we evaluating the fact that, like, they just made it to the second round and, like, that's fun? Or, or are you actually evaluating him on, the like, the attributes that are required to be a good GM? Like, it's, maybe not I losing Devin Tays for nothing, right? Like, yeah, like everyone, everyone's like, oh, like, Joe Sackick overpaid for Devin Taves. It's like, well, at least he didn't lose Devin Taves because he capped out his team, and that team is still capped out. And then people are like, "Oh well, he uh, he gave up a bunch of like nothing for uh, Zajac and Palmieri, and Palmieri's like like finally decided to show up in playoffs." And it's like, "Yeah, okay, that's still the bare minimum of like the yeah. job." Like that's why I'm like, "Oh, like I don't know how." Like I mean, I say I don't know how, but I do know how. But like I don't know how Julian Breezeball hasn't been a nominee every single year since he took over for Steve. Iserman because yeah. he's done everything required of a GM to field not only a contender, but a team that is cap compliant, works around what they've been given, creating depth, having a like elite feeder system in the AHL, knowing when to sell, knowing how to take advantage of teams that are willing to overpay you for like pieces that you don't really need. Uh, Jim Benning, uh, JT Miller. <laughs> um, yeah. But, like, that's where I'm like, okay, how did he not get, like, his team's still in the oh. second round of the playoffs. They look like they're about to crush the island. Literally, right the two the two best teams are in the still in the playoffs, don't have, aren't finalists here. And, yeah. hell, you could argue that Steve Eiserman's work on the Lightning is more, is more uh, warranted to win uh, GM of the year than some of the ones that did the final, some of these finalists. Like, you could be yeah. like... Yeah, no look kidding. at the core that Steve Eiserman built. We're gonna, even though he's in in Detroit now, we're gonna give it to him anyway. Like that would, and that would still be like, yeah, that's that that makes more sense. Like that's more that makes more sense to me. Like, it, it, yeah, it's a completely stupid thing that's based and clearly is based on 
did your team get hot it's, it's in the, the last ultimate recency in, bias type stuff and who who got straight hot straight up straight up like there are so many other general managers i would argue who deserve the, the to finish in that like in that spot ahead of the um ahead of like these guys like minnesota like minnesota got into the playoffs so it looked like they were cooked last year mm-hmm. you could argue bill Guerin deserved it a little bit more than lamarello or Bergevin. You could honestly argue that Steve Eiserman could be a nominee because he did something crazy and actually get pretty good play out of his team down the stretch by selling a player like Anthony Mantha to the yeah. Washington Capitals. Arguably, I mean, he's basically doing what he did, did in Tampa where he identified players that wouldn't be in their prime the for when their team the... is going to compete so he sold early and that was something yep. that tampa like did a lot of they sold a bunch of pieces early to play at teams like the new york rangers to try and give them a chance to win in where they thought their window was going to be and that's what he's doing in detroit and look what he got he has um oh god who's that guy from like jacob verano or whatever Verana. he's got yeah, who, like, he's had, like got an unreal goal scoring pace like He's still got like a good core. He's got a uh, former Canuck, Troy Stetcher, uh, producing yeah. like like a goal saved above average uh, rate that is better than most uh, or every single Canuck player. <laughs> uh, so good yeah. pickup for him there, especially at one point three or one point six million dollars, whatever it is. It's very cheap. Yeah, there so are like, lots of there are lots of general managers in this league who have done arguably a better job like even like the and yeah that includes the ones and some of them that didn't make the postseason like just yeah. the hey your team was not wasn't going to be good regardless they weren't going to make the playoffs probably but the way that you guys have started building that foundation up sure give them a, give them a look here and i get okay and i get that some people will be like but it's based on the the year and you know what they built and how it's bearing fruit sure but that's mm-hmm. still there are still lots more, but still, that does, still doesn't mean Mark Bergevin or Lou Lamorello should be on here, based on what on what on what this award should really be about, which is how you did in the regular season. Like, yeah. I am, I, I assume the thinking process, the thought process behind this was, we want to see what your uh, trade deadline pickups do. I assume right. that's why this vote yeah. gets closed later. But it's like, okay, that's like three players at most, <laughs> or yeah. most in it's most sad. situations. So you okay? So you're gonna judge the entire situation of how a GM does at their job based on them picking up two, three extra guys, like swapping out two, three guys in the in March. Why? Why does that? Why does that change the the diff? Why does that make any difference compared to what they do during the full regular season? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's a very silly. It's a very silly way of looking at it. Uh, it completely shortchanges the GMs that have built a strong, a, t- a consistently strong hockey team, like the lightning, like the avalanche, like the golden Knights to a degree, like they're, they're out there and they're not getting the, and they don't get the same due just because as, they didn't go as far in the play in the playoffs. As we kind of know now, like a lot of the voting or the, the nominees and the winners are kind of legacy based. Like how have they performed historically? Like, uh, Alex Barkov, um, won the selkie trophy this year and you saw pretty much every single uh person in like like hockey uh like stats community say oh barkov's a good pick but it wasn't his best defensive year not by any stretch he was actually a lot better three years ago but it's a fine pick and that's kind of 
like I mean that's been the Norris. Like how many years will people like true Doughty's no. overdue? He should have no. won Victor years Hedman ago. This year, Victor Hedman this year. Like he's still he's already won. Victor Hedman was Victor Hedman Yeah, Victor Hedman wasn't good, and Victor Hedman stand by Victor Hedman standards, which still might be. Like, so, like except, really good. which is still exceptionally yeah, good, like, like probably like league. still a first a first pairing defenseman probably yeah. on literally every team except for maybe like two, like but that doesn't necessarily mean he should be a finalist for a defense for the defenseman of the year award if there were three yeah. defensemen who played better than him this year, yeah. like that's it's silly. They just some of the ways and honestly that might be a, an episode we do all on our own this summer is just how can you fix NHL voting because there's a lot of things that I think are wrong with the way we look at those votes. Um and I think and some people are always and I see a lot of people being like, "Well, you know, this isn't the way the the vote it's being voted on, so you should still vote the way it's expected to. Don't be like a martyr or like a sort of thing." And I see that that kind of like uh, pe- like thought process from people all the time. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, but if we keep voting on it the same way every single year, then it never changes. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're missing the whole point here where I do want to, like, I think I saw people getting mad at Don decision because he left Mark Stone entirely off his Selkie ballot. Uh, right. And I assume based on, and I, based on the way Don decision usually votes on those awards that he's basing it off of his, the, his data. The way that he, because he, from my understanding, every year he bases it off of like the systems and the data that he builds and the way the, their, that, that system finds who the best players are at each, at those positions, at what, at each of the criteria and everything. So sometimes his votes often, his votes often come out looking very different from other people's. And every year people are like, how could you leave so-and-so off the ballot or something? It's like, well, because my my uh my uh system does not did not see them as top five yeah. and it's like which okay is a lot to accept for some people which is very hard for some people to accept specifically other like media people who are like well we all mm-hmm. voted for this guy so even if they didn't win you should they they should still be on your ballot but it's like okay <laughs> that's not how it should that's not <laughs> necessarily it's leon dreisaitl unless it's leon dreisaitl who somehow got Two two second place Selkie votes, Uh, and everyone's like, "Wow, I can't wait to find out which uh, which Edmonton writers gave him second place." There, because I mean, yeah, (laughs) yeah, because there's no way it was anyone else. They're like even seeing Connor McDavid on there as a fifth place vote. That vote, I was like, "Come on!" And Austin Matthews, like, see, this is this is actually one of my thing of the one of the ways I actually wouldn't mind seeing the way awards are voted on. Um, and this is my person, like, this is personal opinion. People are, can debate whether or not this is actually a good idea. I do understand the inherent want to say, given a vote, give a vote to somebody who you cover on a regular basis. If, sure. if people, if people want to give a fifth place vote to whoever, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisettle, whether or not it's a bad pick, I'm kind of like, whatever like okay if you're gonna give it to some if you're gonna purposely give out an oh a vote to somebody just because they're on the team you cover if you want to give them fifth place the one point sure why not just don't put them in second or third because you see them all the time don't do that <laughs> like that's silly like there are some times I, where i'm like eh like jacob markstrom i think that one year got didn't get a vesna vote or something there was like one or uh he he had like a third place vote or something like that. I was that. kind of like, I could very much 
Yeah, or like there was something there was something weird where it was like yeah. he didn't get a lot of votes in like certain departments. And I was kind of like, honestly, you could make a good case that Jacob Markstrom was a, a league MVP to a certain extent, not over all the other people. If I were voting, I might have given Jacob Markstrom a fifth place vote for Vesna. It's is it gonna is it gonna change the entire outcome of the vote? No, it's not gonna <laughs> change anything. What, it, what if but, it was like that one point was the difference? That would well, for that though. That would impl- that would mean I had to have like somebody who wasn't in like the top two on my ballot already, right? You, fair, they, yeah, right, right. So ex- exactly. So the odds of you, unless you've gone completely nuts with it and started just completely <laughs> shortchanging right. certain people in favor of people who you cover on an on a regular basis, then it's not going to change the final result. So I'm like, eh, give them four, give them fifth. Give him fifth if you want. Like, I don't care. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dump on anyone for giving literally any player a fifth place vote. I couldn't I, care less. I did appreciate and laugh very hard at the fact that Ottawa had two picks for uh, a Selkie and Canucks had zero. Like, I mean, there wasn't really a Selkie th- you couldn't, there was there. But like Ottawa was terrible the whole year. Like I, I don't care like how Nick yeah. Paul and how Connor Brown played really well. The team was still awful. Yeah, one of them was. I thought that was very funny. I I was guessing that it was him, but because I just thought it would be funny if it was, and of course it was. So that's pretty great. It was was Nick Paul. One trillion percent, and uh, it turned out to be true. Uh, See, there you go. That's a perfect. That's a perfect use of a fifth place vote. Like that's perfect. Go for it. Yeah. Who cares? Very funny. Yeah. Canucks were so bad that they couldn't even get a pity fifth place vote by the local guys. They're just like, nope. It was bad. Who will get a pity fifth place vote this year? Out of out of all the Canucks in any cap. Oh, actually, you know what? I literally just figured out who it is. It's Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko will get those votes, and he sh- uh, literally really? my oh, why wouldn't he? My biggest. He is pretty terrible for that one month. Literally for one month, and then he became, I believe, the uh, based on like uh, up until the pandemic pause. Yeah, then he decided uh, I believe to turn it on. he became like the second had like the second best goal saved above average in yeah. the entire or like something something insane like in yeah. the entire he was NHL. Like first or second uh, basically on that, most metrics, yeah, I think. I think the only goalie expectation. Yeah, the, I think the only goalie ahead of him in most of those metrics was Vasilevsky. Yeah, and correct. I was like literally my I don't know if this is considered a hot take, but in terms of what the Canucks lost out of that out of the COVID outbreak, I fully maintain that had they kept going, had they been able to keep going, Thatcher Demko would have had a Vesna winning season. Like he would have finished up having at least finished in the top three finalists for the Vesna. That is a hot take. I think that completely tripped him up because he came out a lot, you know, you remember he came out hurt. He was, it took him a little bit longer to get back into the net they ended up, of course, going on that grind that completely, you know, took down yeah. his numbers. I think if they had kept on the normal pace, he would have finished. I think he would have had a season warranting possibly winning the Vezina at that point because of literally how much he was just stealing like 30,000, like 30, like every other game for the Canucks. Like so I was very much maintaining he should have, he could have won the Vezina had they, had they kept going. So quick question, how much of this is also dependent on the fact that he is also from California. None. <laughs> I'm Canadian. Why do I care? Like, that doesn't matter. Like, yes, uh, we're you're both, in we're both Cal- California right now. Yes, uh, we're both hello. California expats, uh, expat goaltenders who... You have who a have dog. Made, He's got a, a dog. 
Yes, I, I, mean, I do think Thatcher Demko and I would be very. I'm sure Thatcher Demko and I would be very good friends in another life, uh, in a life where I wasn't a media person. But yeah, <laughs> but no, come on, he was great. He was he was doing incredible before the before everyone got sick. Like he was Be- doing incredible. before the wheels completely fell off. Yeah, literally. And, uh, like I'm just like, like as, played like complete shit. Yeah. As soon as the as soon as they came back and he was you know back to playing a little bit under expectation just because of you know recovering from a serious illness, I was yeah. like, well, okay, it's it's not going to happen this this time around. I get it. Like you mm-hmm. know. But I think if they had kept going, he would have finished in the he would have finished in the finalists for sure. Well, that I mean, you weren't kidding when you put out the call for questions that you had some hot takes to dish out. I, apparently, I didn't think that was going to be a hot take today, but here we are. I guess my so. hot yeah. take is that Quinn Hughes is going to win the Vezina himself. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, not the Norris, the Vezina. He's going to be. You have to win points away from Alex Edler for the Vesna, like that's clearly at Edler's uh, level of ec- area of expertise on that blue line. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I don't know what, uh, I, I think it would have been hard for, for Hughes to uh, I, beat out his team, his, his uh, defensive teammate. Uh, I for think, the Vesna. I think we talked about this on our show, but like, were we both saying that in the final game of the year that they should dress Alex Edler as a goaltender, if it's going to be his final game as a Canuck, just for like a yes. period, like the third period, yes. just, just put him out in goalie gear, see what he can do. It would just be so funny. And like, like put the, him on the, bench. the season was such a, like a wash. So it was like, who cares if he's in net and allows like seven goals, it would just be really funny. Yes. I wonder if like, there's probably some kind of like thing that says you can't have like yeah, a skater rules- come in when your goalies are healthy, but. Yeah. The rule, the rules are very strict on emergency goaltenders. Like, uh, I remember the so you remember the Scott Foster year probably right like yeah, the, yeah. He, he was the first emergency goalie that became super popular mm-hmm. um, well at least within like uh like the from an inner from a national hockey standpoint uh, right. obviously Chris Levesque is number one in our hearts here um, but um, Scott uh, earlier in that season like I think like or I think just a little bit earlier in the year. Uh, the Hawks had had to use another emergency goaltender just on the bench. He didn't play, right. but they were winning the game by a lot to that point or something. I think this was the Hawks. This might've been the Flyers even actually. Um, mm. I'm trying to remember who it was, but all I remember, I, and I'm pretty sure this was, I'm pretty sure Chicago. I remember Joel Quinville being involved in this. Um, they tried to put, they were winning the game, not their, whoever their starter wasn't hurt. But oh, so they at, tried like, to with put a, the emergency with about in, a minute left. Yeah, with about a minute left in the game, uh, and with them already winning like six to one. Uh, geez, that how did that not get called? Sorry, Corey Perry just got completely high sticked by Jonathan Marcheseau away from the puck and got no call. Um, it OT basically, referee, Quinville maybe. tried to yeah, Quinville tried to put him in the game. The refs immediately shooed him back shoot the goalie back out. They're like, nope, you can't do that. Your regular goalie's fine. You can't put the emergency goalie in. And I do, okay, I think I'm piecing together what, where this, what, why I'm kind of remembering Philly in here because I believe this happened in Philadelphia and okay. the Flyers fans were actually, were, were the ones booing, like started booing. <laughs> like they were like, they come on, let too. him in. Like, yeah. Yeah, they were like, come on, it's a minute left. Who gives a shit? Just let him in. They're right. all booing. Like I think it was something like that. Like it was something very, very funny. Um, and now, uh, 
Yeah, the refs are making some weird motions that I've never seen before. Um, oh, they're going to scrape the ice or whatever. Um, but yeah, like there are rules about it. So like you can't put them in, but you can put them on the bench. I believe if there, if there's proof that the other goalies hurt. Um, but hmm. I guess, I, I, I guess we've, we've, we've talked probably way too much already about awards for like a third for, yeah, the, for this episode. Um, well, I, mean, I guess there's, we like, like we said, there is nothing Canucks related to talk about. Like I don't, it's, what's it's, it's, happened in the last it, couple of days. Nothing. We don't know thing. what they're well, what they're going to do. There's no idea. Because you know what it is, we've hit the weird part of the season where there's not really as a as a team that's not currently in the playoffs. There's not really anything else you can do. Yeah. Like you're kind of they're kind of in the limbo of okay, we just need to wait for the playoffs to end. We need to so they, we can and then start prepping for the Seattle draft because there are like teams that say might. Well, actually, probably very likely there are teams currently in the playoffs that are like, oh, they're going to be cap, uh, close to the cap by the end of the season. They might yeah. be a team we'd want to we'd want to negotiate with about certain players mm-hmm. um, in terms of who might come to uh, who we might be able to uh, get out of other teams because we don't have as many uh, necessarily protectable assets going into the expansion yeah. draft. So you're kind of just in limbo as a team, just kind of. You're just kind of waiting. Like, you're just very much in the waiting game. I guess the Sedin thing uh, could still happen sooner yeah. rather than later. That's kind of the But it's one. such a, like, non-issue. It's just like, okay, yeah, they're signed to, yeah, to be yeah. junior and, GMs. And we right? don't even – literally, we have no idea what they're going to do, like what, yeah. what their role within this team is going to be. Um, <laughs> I guess the, I guess if we're going to keep – I guess if there is hockey stuff to talk about, it is just really the semifinals. I mean, the fact that the yeah. Knights are playing – the Knights and the Habs are playing right now. Overtime, uh, baby. Overtime is already impressive. The fact that they're doing it without their head coach, who uh, tested positive for COVID, um, is uh, wild. Uh, the fact that they're playing right I, now. I mean, like I think uh, I don't. I think you have you written for Daily Hive. I, I have remember. written for Daily Hive before. Okay. Yes. So your your former contact, Rob Williams, had a tweet earlier this season that. I mean, it wouldn't really criticize, but it pointed out that Dominique Ducharme was very, very bad at keeping a mask on his face. Yes. And sure enough, all through the playoffs, you're constantly seeing him, seeing him pull the mask down. And of course, he's the guy that tests positive for COVID. Yeah. Um, now let's be now let's be like very clear here, right? Like, so Dominic Ducharme does have both of his vaccines. He has been back. He has gotten double vaccination. Yes. So this is not a case of a guy who had been like you know say like skipping, had not been going to get himself like vaccinated or anything like that. He's fully vaccinated. I believe the whole team is. I believe the whole yeah. Canadians team is. Um, he's under the window of immunity, which is, I believe two weeks, like after you get your second shot, it takes two weeks for you to achieve full immunity. But because he was already half vaccinated because he was already at that point, he, I believe he's not like, he doesn't have symptoms. Like he's not one of the players who has symptoms currently. Um, and holy God, the Canadians just won. That's (laughs) wild. That was a great goal too um great setup uh good for montreal uh up two to one in this series although i think they're gonna try and challenge here because the knights haven't even left the bench um because i think there might have been potentially offside but we'll see um oh that's definitely offside (laughs) uh with 
Mate, let me see. I have not gotten to the replay. I'm still yep. a little bit behind. But okay. basically, the thing with Ducharme, right, is that he's probably – it's not – he is not in COVID protocol because he's sick necessarily. He's mm-hmm. in protocol because of the fact that he has the, the the bug and can pass it on to people who say aren't vaccinated. Oh, right. man, I was not paying attention when they showed the slow-mo. He might – Anderson might be offside. Uh, No. No, they didn't even challenge it. It's over. Oh, They're shit. done. They're leaving. Woo! Okay. Well, yeah. it's over. Rock and roll. Holy cow. Okay. Well, that kind of changes the top, the conversation a little bit here. Uh, in Montreal is now up two to one in this series against Vegas. They keep finding ways to win. Dom- uh, Dominique Ducharme was the problem. <laughs> I I mean, I I I I'm not gonna say he's a necessarily a bad coach. I just think that he hasn't necessarily been the best coach for the team that he has. Um, you know, it's, I, and I don't, but I don't think that necessarily changed. Like tonight, they didn't look good. They won tonight despite looking pretty bad from Gary Price, baby. I I think when we did our, when we did our playoff predictions, I said, I had a feeling that Carey Price was going to goalie Vegas. And then they got like, just completely run over in the first game. But now I'm like, Oh shit. He might actually goalie them, which would be so funny frankly yeah and then you know all the people are and then uh what's his name bergevin will probably win gm of the year because gary price goalies them which uh which absolutely rocks um but yeah like we were kind of like worried like these series were going to be like duds especially the islanders uh lightning series because it was just kind of like you know what does a in it like an unstoppable force do when it meets an immovable object Unfortunately, the unstoppable force has been unreal. I mean, yeah, Yeah. it's only two to one. It's not like the series are over, but obviously you want to be up in the series. And I think Habs lightning would just be like the weirdest possible series imaginable. Like two East Coast teams Mm -hmm. playing in the Stanley Cup finals in the year 20, the year of our Lord 2021. Like that's wild. I, I would be all for it just because of how fucking weird it would be. Uh, yeah. It would make no sense. I'd be all for it. It would though. It would also suck though because it'd be like, like, you hate to see like a like a goalie like Mark Andre Fleury like play incredibly well throughout the regular season, the playoffs. It's finally a year where it's like, like you know how people always look back at the Penguins dynasty and they're just like, oh. Flurry won his cups, but like it was like in spite of him, like they won, but it, he didn't really have much to do with it. And you're like, okay, well, don't be, don't be rude to Mark Andre Flurry. He's such a nice guy. And yeah. this year, you could arguably say like, okay, like if if Vegas like won the cup this year, you would be like, oh, that was because of Flurry. Like he was unbelievable for them on most nights in the playoffs. Oh yeah. Whereas now, if they get bounced, it's just going to be like like an asterisk, like it's good. finally it's got nominated a, for Vesna and it didn't matter. It, yeah. It's going to be his fault again. Somehow. I mean, we're at the point where, I mean, like what team, what team's goalie isn't leading like their, like the con Smythe uh, race, like even in the Islanders case, I don't think, is there really anyone else who might deserve it other than Varlamov? <sighs> I guess that Sorokin's played. Uh, a Varlamov would have been like the, the pick, I guess maybe, Maybe Brock Nelson, Maybe, I guess. The Beauvillier? Islanders honestly, Beauvillier's the Isl- got like a ton of points. Like surprisingly. The Islanders, 
the Islanders might be that team that if they won, depending on how long the series goes, it might be one of those, well, that whole team was so evenly good, we're going to give it to someone on the other team instead. We're going to give the Gonsmythe to whoever played on the other side. Because <laughs> uh, that happens sometimes. The like, J.S. Jaguar Award. Yeah, the J.S. Jaguar Award. I, I mean, I feel bad. I feel bad because I was. I'm like, I, I don't think. I do think that players from the opposing team who doesn't win should be, uh, should be um, up for the uh, the Colin Smythe a little more often. Like, I think sometimes they they don't get their due. Um, but um, in terms of the Islanders in the Lightning series, like, yeah, it's not been very. I will say, I don't think it's been very good. I think it's not been a good series. Uh, you, the games you think- have been incredibly dull. The yeah the the and the one game that was any good was a complete just just stomping was just the lightning just absolutely yeah. curb stomping the Islanders uh, on power plays on power plays yeah. again like they just crushed them in that and then you see it started to get a little physical like the uh, the physicality of these two of those two teams is really really like it matches well uh, sure. Brayden Point has been sneaky good. Like, and that's kind of one of the questions I wanted to ask you is like, okay, so every year we always have the whole, who's the most underrated player in the NHL? And Barkoff has been that guy for a long time. Uh, he finally, he wins a personal award. So it's kind of like, okay, he's no longer the most underrated for sure. Uh, whether you, whether, you know, putting aside the whole, oh, people talking about you means you're not underrated because everybody talks about you all the time. But I'll ask the question, is Braden Point the most underrated player in the NHL right now? Uh, I think he may, I, I feel like he's maybe put himself on the map in last year's playoffs a bit. So I don't really know if he's that underrated per se anymore. He's obviously playing out of his mind again in this playoffs. That's, I mean, for people like us who like are aware of how good he's been for the last uh, couple seasons, it's not like anything new. I don't know if he's the most the NHL's most underrated player. I'd have to like really think on who's the most underrated player. He's he's like unbelievable. Like that's for sure. I just don't think he's I don't think he's any more than NHL's most underrated player. I almost feel like like Barkov still is the most underrated player because of like the market he plays in. Like like any of those Florida Panthers players that they've had, like Aaron Eckblad, for example, like he's incredibly underrated as a defenseman because Jonathan of where he Huberto. played. Yeah, Jonathan yeah, Huberto. Huberto too. Like they have like unbelievably good players, but no one ever talks about them because the team has never been good in spite yeah. of how good these guys are. And now that they're actually like they made playoffs with Jill Q, didn't work out against Tampa, but like at least people noticed them a bit. Barkov wins a Selkie. It's kind of like, okay, maybe eyes get drawn towards like the other team in Florida and they're no longer just like really good guys that you hear about, but they're actually like, you know, talked about like on a consistent basis. Like, cause that was kind of like the Mark Stone thing, right? Like everyone knew Ottawa had like this unreal player in Mark Stone and he was going to command a lot on his next deal. And then he got traded to Vegas and it was kind of like, Oh, what's going on here? And he was still kind of underrated. And then after his first year in Vegas, it was like, oh shit, Mark Stone is like like legitimately like one of the best players in the NHL. Yeah. How could Ottawa let this guy go? And yes. now he's just like every year since it's just been like, oh yeah, Mark Stone is unbelievable. Like that that always tends to happen. And right? All it took for him to go was to go to a real hockey market like Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah everyone's <laughs> favorite market. 
Vegas. He left a he left a a complete you know just a very quiet unfor, a forgotten a forgotten city that just happens to have hockey sometimes in yeah, Ottawa. Okay. <laughs> I've heard about it. Yeah. Ottawa, Canada. Yeah, um, yeah. I I will say I think Braden Point could make a good you could make a good argument for specifically for the fact that like the first names that people come to that come to mind when you think of the Lightning what are Stamkos? It's Kucherov who's won a Hart Trophy. It's Vasilevsky who's won Vezina trophies. Uh, and then I'll, and yeah, Headman for sure. And then you have Braden Point, who actually led their team in points during the regular season. And uh, now is the first player, I think, since the '90s, or no, sorry, no, since uh, Martin Havlat in 2006 with the Senators to score, I think, goals in six straight games. I think is the the stat line. And that's Damn. yeah, that's wild. Um, he is very easily like. Brock, he's possibly one of their, he's just one, he's already, like, we already knew he's one of their best players, but I think that just how important he is to the way that the Lightning operate and their mm. ability to win games always flies under the radar because of the bigger names on his own team. He's kind yeah. of just, it's, it's, and that's kind of the way Tampa's built in a sense is just the fact that they have so many players who are just, again, could be second line, first line guys on other teams and are just, Flying under the radar, playing like sec- third line minutes because, or yeah. like second line minutes because of how deep that team is. Like Andre Pollat is another guy who yeah. is just Seventh always on the pick, score sheet, just constantly like a top five scorer on the team. Yeah, like, plays twenty never minutes talked a about like, at all. Like you, you no, know, we're talking no. about underrated players. Probably Pollat has got to be one of them. Like, he's there. like yeah, a consistent. Like I mean, I want to say he's at least fifteen goals every season for the he's last pretty- like six years or something like that. Like he's never talked about when like, they always talk about the core of Tampa and like no one ever talks about Andre Palat or the fact that like, he's just been like this guy who was picked in like the late seventh round one year. And has just been like this dominant offensive force for them for like years. Like that rules. Um, I mean, yeah. Mikhail Sergachev, like, Sergeyev's I mean, that, <laughs> They're full, basically of like, they're full of them. Yeah, they, they still have Cal Foot. They still have Cal Foot, who hasn't even made the team their yet. Like, team there are so many guys. Gems. Yeah, they're, they're, they've done again. Just uh, we already talked a little bit about Julian Breezebaugh today. It's just like just an incredible job at being able to kind of supplement that team with great players and just consistently roll out more and more talent each year. Yeah. It's just incredible. They've done a really good job there. Truly. Um, yeah. Um, Habs and Knights, like we've already kind of talked about it, just like slightly, but mm-hmm. I mean, holy, the fact that they're like even in the series is just nuts. Like, and now they've up, now they're up two to one. Do you think they can hold, do, can they hold on here? Can they actually hold on and get it done? I feel like game four will probably, like, I mean, obviously, if they win game four and they're up three to one, like, that's a big hole for Vegas to climb out of. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think most fans saw like last year in the bubble, like when Vegas was, you know, gave up that three, one series lead against the Canucks, it broke them against Dallas. So even if they get through like a three, one deficit against Montreal, like there's no telling how they'll look against, you know, Tampa, like that could be like just a death blow to them because that's like a huge thing to overcome is having your, your shooting confidence completely rattled by a hot goaltender. Yeah. Um, but if the Habs are up 3-1, like, that would be just for the memes. That'd be really funny. It'd be very fun. I 
like I like I appreciate like Vegas is like all out approach every single season is just like going for the big ticket every time and i mean when hey they recognized that their window to win was a lot earlier than they expected like i don't think they i don't think they came out of the expansion draft thinking like we've got a contender here i think they saw how they played and then we're like oh shit i think our team's way better than we even we expected and they started making moves that not only helped them short term in that first year where they made the cup final, but it also set them up like down the road. Like they didn't really go for expiring UFAs that were going to walk the following year. Like they went for players that were going to stick around and, you know, you can say what you will about like how, how polite it was to sign Nate Schmidt to a deal and then immediately trade him. <laughs> like, they're still bold and brash with their moves that help them set up like a, like a, not a dynasty, but like a very solid contender with a large window to compete. Like if they, if they lose, uh, if they like drop out of the playoffs against the Habs here, I'm not writing them off and being like, Oh, they need to rebuild their team screwed. Like they still got Patricia. I mean, they might go and just trade everybody for Eichel, but you know, Hey, they might trade Max Pacioretty. They might trade Stone. They might trade everybody. Yeah. They might trade Shady. Or like, you have no idea what these guys. They have no idea what they value. They they see that golden prize out on the free agent market or whoever is like available for trade, and they're like, "We want it. That's ours now." And yeah. they go for it. And I respect yeah. that. That's, I mean, one of these days, it's it's surely going to backfire. Like, cause you can't keep going after the prize pig and just like expect it to always work out. Uh, Eventually they're going to have to start like drafting, you know, pretty high to supplement their aging core. Like Petrangelo is not going to be playing this way for the next four years. Like he's going to fall off. Shea Theodore is going to need pay, pay increases. Mark Stone isn't going to hold up. Max Petretti is obviously going to be gone eventually. Uh, Chandler Stevenson, like Alex Tuck, like all these guys are eventually going to age out. And you need youth to replace it. They have Cody Glass, but like outside of that, like I think Cody Glass was like the only pick that they actually retained out of like yeah. all the assets they spent to get Mark Stone. Yeah, like they have nothing. Left. I mean, Nick Suzuki was one of their other picks, and they traded him. He's now mm-hmm. a Canadian. Exactly. He's now playing on the other side. Um, yeah. I mean. I will say this, like in terms of the way that the Knights have gone, like here's a, actually, this is an interesting kind of like little trivia bit for you. I want to see if you can get this. How many players from the original Golden Knights team are still here without looking at the, at the rosters? Uh, uh, just going off what you can remember, how many of the original Golden Knights uh, are still here? It's kind of wild. I want to say it's only like seven or eight. It isn't, it isn't a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot. From what I can tell here, from looking at the lists, uh, you got Alex Tuck, you got uh, Riley Smith, Ryan Reeves, uh, uh, I Marcia believe uh, uh, Jonathan Marcia. So I think Nosek is still here. Uh, Flurry. Oh yeah, Flurry is still here. Uh, you've got, um, let's see, Carlson, William Carlson is still here. Yeah. Um, William Carrier is still here. Uh, and then on defense, you got White Cloud, Theodore, and uh, and yeah, McNabb. And I believe that is all of them, unless John Merrill is still here somewhere hanging around. No, he, he is. is. He is on and the Habs. He's on the Habs. All right, and there. 
And yeah, that's right. And and there you go. That's all of them. That's literally all of them. Every yeah. other player is gone from that original team. They are entirely gone. It is bit and it is incredible how much better they've gotten. Like just yeah. wild stuff. Like yeah. So yeah. like I hope. I mean, I would hate Vegas to win a cup before the Canucks do. Just just because it would really suck to see like a brand new franchise win that early on in their career. But yes. like from a hockey standpoint, obviously seeing a Tampa or Vegas finale would be the most, like the best hockey available to fans. And so like, you kind of have to vote for that, but obviously I like a lot of players on the Habs. So I think it would yeah. be very funny if they won. Oh yeah. It'd be incredible <laughs> It'd be if they won. Um, and yeah. Okay. And yeah, I think definitely. I think you gotta. I I, I think for the memes, you just gotta hope the the hats yeah. get through. Yeah. Um. At the very least, for the memes. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, on the news docket today, uh, we didn't talk about this in the last episode. I think we'll no. just kind of briefly touch on it now. Yeah. Uh, Gerard Gallant hired by the New York Rangers as their head coach, as their new head coach replacing uh, David Quinn. Um. Here's the thing with the Rangers. I don't actually think coaching was really their problem. Under David Quinn, I thought he was fine. Maybe that's just because I don't watch the Rangers enough. But I don't. Just from what I saw coming out of the organization, I don't really think coaching was the huge issue. Uh, but of course, now you do have one situation that's brewing, which is the fact that uh, James Dolan, head of MSG, has a lot more say in the day to day of the Rangers again, which is uh, yes, not good. He's got a vision, that's for sure. Yeah. But Gerard Gallant is still a very is a very good coach, and it's kind of shocking yeah. that he's been gone from the NHL this long, and that no one hired him in the last like so many years. It, I mean, the league acts that way a lot. Like, I mean, look at Mike Gillis. You got a guy that literally won like the GM of the Year award and couldn't get a job after getting canned because I guess they didn't like like all his progressive ways of he was not part of the boys club no yeah and so but you're like well, yeah, it like, seems to be which is why it's weird i have no idea like because like yeah you hear about the old boys club all the time you're like well the guy used to play he was an agent for like players and coaches and like all these people like he has the connections but like because he circumvented the cap with lawrence gilman like lawrence gilman still gets jobs so like What's what gives here? It's just people just didn't like how brash he was. I, I don't know. It's it's very bizarre. And then Gerard Gallant, like, yeah, everyone said like, like it was so ridiculous of the Knights to get rid of him after like the most unlucky playoff series imaginable, where Logan Couture, or not sorry, not Logan Couture, Joe Pavelski gets knocked out by a weird shove by Cody Eakin, and then that somehow like means like they should get rid of him as soon as there's like a sign of problems in the following season. And there weren't really even problems in the next season. Like they had a winning record and the GMs were just like, Nope, get rid of him. Yeah. And that was a, yeah. It, so like, I feel like after that, like the old boys club would have been like, yeah, Gerard probably should still be coaching in the NHL. Like if, I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of coaches out there. Like Dominique Ducharme, for example, like Claude Julien got fired this year. Like, yeah, and he was doing it. fine. They had like, same thing. Like, they, they had a little bit of issues and the ownership and GMs were like, get rid of them. Start, start fresh. And the get the Galant thing just looked more along that line where it's just like, should he really have been fired this soon? And yeah. he should probably be the coach of some team. Like, 
And now like he's Arizona. market in the NHL, New York. That's where yeah, else to go. Like, in like Arizona, like they were relying on Rick Tockett, who like got like quite a bit out of like a bad roster. And he's yeah. gonna go to like Seattle. Seattle. But I'm like, like, how does like is Claude Julien really like that bad of a coach? Because he got out because speaking of getting a lot out of not much, Claude Julien, like to start the season with the Habs was like unreal. Like this team yeah. like looked like a like just as good as like the the Leafs and looked like a, a force until they had like goalie problems when Carey Price got injured, things got like a little dicey. And like that's not his fault. Shit happens. No. No. So I don't know. Like you just look around the league at some of the co- like the head coaches and like just like the poor, poor, awful records, and you're like, like there's no way Gallant should have been on the outside for that long. Obviously, he's on New York, where I'm sure he'll be fine. Like, yeah, he's got Panarin yeah, to work with. Like any hey, coach New should York's look good. Br- New York's got a bright future. Like that team's gonna be good. Like I've maintained that that team's gonna be very good down down the line. Like they've got a lot of great young pieces uh, there, and provided that they don't like do what I think um, teams under that man that ownership group have been notorious to do, which is kind of uh, jump the gun and pan- hit the panic button a little Jack bit. Jack Eichel, maybe. Yeah, like seriously, like I I don't doubt that Jack Eichel would make them maybe a little bit tougher in the in a little bit higher scoring in the shorter term, but I think the amount you give up from would very easily shorten your window like it would shorten yeah. your window and be successful whereas i think the team that they're that they've assembled right now with time will be one of the longer running good playoff teams when they get there when they get to that point yeah. um yeah so you just have to hope that they kind of stay who, the new gm which is chris drury i believe mm-hmm. uh hope they stay the course that's kind of just the main thing for them is don't uh let the panic set in and just just stay the course of what's going to give you success down the line uh and don't make anything rash any rash calls and start trading the farm away for like a jack <laughs> as much as jack eichel might help you you might have the assets to set to potentially acquire jack eichel without giving up the uh like a capo caco or an alexis lafreniere but it's a risk i don't know if you want to do that it's a it's a huge risk for what you have in the in the cupboard right now i always just look at um the Buffalo Sabres, when they at one point had Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Jack Eichel, Jeff Skinner playing unbelievably, uh, Kyle Ocposo being like one of their top five scorers, and it still wasn't enough to be a good team. So obviously the allure of Jack Eichel would like make any GM froth if he wants out. You'd be like, oh yeah, give me a Jack Eichel, Artemi Panarin line. Like what GM wouldn't want that. But as we all know, watching hockey, you can have the two best players on the planet. And that still doesn't mean you're going to have success. Case in point, the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. So now if there's one pro for Gallant, he's found ways to take a team that looked like it had more or less nothing and turn them into a division winner. So it's possible. It's, it's totally possible. Yeah, it's just a, yeah. you know, if I'm the GM speaking, I'd be very hesitant to want to dev- devote like what 12% of, the, the, of the cap to a player that still might not make a difference. 
because and especially when you're already paying so much to Panarin as well. Yeah, like you don't you twenty percent of your cap or whatever set on two players, and you have no guarantee that the depth you can build or surround them or insulate them with is going to be enough to get you to playoffs. Yeah. That's a big risk, especially it's a huge risk. Especially when you don't really, I mean, you have, they have a pretty good pipeline, but yeah. not to the point where I'd be like, yeah, sell everything to get Jack no. Michael. No. no. I mean, uh, for chaos, I want it. I would love oh, it. Yeah, I'd absolutely. love to see for chaos them trade the farm for Jack Michael, but uh, yeah. it's probably not a shrewd decision, business decision <laughs> yeah. for them. All right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think uh, with that, there's one last thing we wanted to do. Just one last thing, because this episode's been a little short. There hasn't been as much to yeah. talk about. We're going to do one last little uh, kind of just interesting kind of question thing um, where I was like, you know what? Like, let's rank, like, the best possible jersey matchups in the Final Four. And I guess by rank, I mean, like, we'll say just, I don't know. Like, out your, of, like... Your favorite combination that would be yeah. in the final? Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with like best possible combination for the final. What is like just based entirely on the jerseys, on the jersey possibilities here. Mm. Um, so for me, I think right now, like here's the thing: the the tough part for this finale is that regardless, you're going to get a blue a blue team and a team and a team that isn't. So one blue yeah. team is coming in, and I guess just based on like the. Um, the symmetry like i guess well i guess to the symmetry to a certain extent tampa montreal would be kind of nice like would be kind of it'd be, yeah a very clean look i mean it's basically montreal toronto just yeah. with just with a different just one team is not from toronto um yeah. it's a very clean look i think you get especially like the i think if again in a in a in a dream scenario you could have games where the canadians are wearing their home reds versus tampa's home blues which would look very cool um uh but i guess just in terms of like from that matchup i think I, again i think i gotta go with yeah the the home canadian reds uh versus tampa's whites uh white white and blue i think you gotta go there i think it's a good look i think Actually, you know, the white, the Canadians white jersey matched up against the blue one also wouldn't be, the blue Tampa jersey also wouldn't be like a, a be pretty good. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I but I got to go with the, uh, yeah, the Canadian reds and the Tampa whites, I think would be the best possible look. Uh, what say you? I, I wish they went, like they allowed the reverse retro because I low-key really like the blue reverse retro Habs jersey. So it would be cool to see the reverse retro Habs jersey against the Tampa Whites. Or uh, yeah. if we lived in a world where like the NHL allowed both teams to wear colored jerseys, you would do uh, the Habs red versus the Tampa Bay like all black jersey. Oh, interesting. Like, that would be pretty tight too. Uh, yeah. obviously. And then if those two obviously aren't in the finals and we get like the very standard two best teams facing off, it'd be wild to see the Vegas gold versus the Tampa all black or the Tampa oh, yeah. uh, white, but yeah. they won't allow that because they don't like fun. Yeah. Even like the Tampa home blue Jersey versus like that Vegas gold would be or really the Vegas cool. red. Yeah. Like the, the, the red retro. The, the I liked their, retro that was a good jersey like they yeah, should clean that one. They should especially yeah, since they great. didn't really have anything to work off of oh yeah they had not they had literally only uh old vegas teams to go off of in that and i think yeah. they did a great job with that yeah. um yeah i think that and i i hope the reverse retro cup series comes back at some point because i want to see a see a kraken version of the uh 
Seattle Metropolitan's jersey. Like that has yeah, to happen at some don't. point, right? Like that's they gotta... should, they sh- I mean, they probably should do that too, where they're like, like, okay, Seattle, you came in one year after the reverse retros, uh, but you still get a say. So here's like a fourth jersey because you're obviously going to need money coming in anyway. So pick whatever. Yeah. And we'll just pick a date for you against uh, the Canucks or something to wear them, because they yeah. got they got to establish some kind of brand. Let them, yeah. Let them reverse like, retro it up too. Yeah, like literally imagine like that Seattle S, and then instead it says like Kraken inside the in the S, uh, the way yeah. like the Vancouver Millionaires logo does, and then you replace like the green barber pole stripe with uh, like that blue or teal that they're wearing. Yeah. Um, and then like it's like a, that blue and red. That would look. That would look very fresh. That would be a very fresh uniform. I would I would have to buy that. That would look incredible. Yeah. There's a lot of jerseys that I want to get. Um Seattle. So many I don't know, maybe it it doesn't look that great, the Seattle like just generic jersey. I like that. Are you kidding? I love them. I think they look great. It's a bit plain. I also I also think what happened was I saw the original mock-up of like the colors that they had chosen when it was just the salmon and the the light uh cyan and like the black and the dark gray it was it's it it implied that they were gonna go with like a radically like bright colored jersey like something a bit more vibrant and fun and instead the colors that they did end up choosing were just kind of like more of the same like it kind of just fell in line with the other jerseys in the league that's where like like I respect like what uh, Vegas did with their all gold Jersey or their all red Jersey. Cause it's like no other team is doing different shit. And I appreciate teams for trying something new. And so for Seattle, it would have been nice to see like a complete like salmon white Jersey with gray piping, but yeah, can't win. I all. think to be fair, they got kind of stuck in the sense of like with Vegas, right? There was no, nothing to model off of in the sense of like from a pro sports standpoint, like in C- in Vegas, they were the first ones. So right. they kind of were like, okay, we have a clean slate to go off of here. We can pick yeah. anything we want. Whereas with Seattle, there's already kind of a history of what the teams in that market use. So like blue, a lot of blues, a lot of green and a lot of greens uh, are used in their uniform because they're, you know, city, city right by the O in the Puget sound. Like it's very, Ocean is very much a part of the Seattle fabric. So it made sense to me that they went with the where they did. I did find it interesting that they added red. Like the fact that they added red, I think is very cool. And it it gives something unique to that uniform. And uh, it gives it like, again, it's another color scheme that we don't have in the NHL. Like whether or not those colors individually are used all the time, like we don't have a team with blue, teal and red. Like that's just, that's a new concept on its own. And I think that's cool. I think I, uh, and that's what I look for in those teams. I think the, I mean, the Pacific Division has the best uniforms. Uh, don't don't at me on that. They're gonna next year. They're gonna have the best uh, uniform collection because every team kind of has something different going for them, and I love that. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Well, anyways, folks, thanks for tuning into this episode. Even though it was a bit light on the uh, Canucks content, we got to talk go around the league, as they say. Um, yeah. As always, you can. Uh, like subscribe and rate our podcast on every available podcast service that you use. Leave us a review. We always appreciate those. Check out our YouTube channel. We post every podcast in video format. You can check out my wicked tan that I got going on in my face. I look wonderful. Lachlan, you know, he's, he's looking all right too. Um, I know. there's a course. Our, 
your fashion changes uh, when you turn this 24. Then uh, there's, of course, our Patreon, where we have $1 and $5 tiers as well, where we post exclusive content. Lachlan, he's always posting uh, his, well, he was. I guess he's not really technically doing it because the season's over, the regular season's over. <laughs> but when the regular season is on, he posts exclusive articles where he rates the North Division, the power rankings, if you will. Um, those will kickstart again, obviously, in September, October, whenever the season begins again. But we post exclusive episodes as well where we basically just shoot the shit, talk about completely random crap that doesn't really have anything to do with hockey. Occasionally does, yeah. but you never know. Uh, yeah. But until then, Mr. Lachlan, where can the fine folks find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Lock in the Crease. And you can find my writing at lockinthecrease.com. I write sometimes. I think I have an article coming out soon. Uh, at least that's – I'm trying to manifest it. I'm trying to manifest <laughs> an article on my website soon. Uh, Cody, where can they find you? Uh, the fine folks can find me at Cody Severson on Twitter. And eventually – I will get my season recap done on the Utica Comets 2020-2021 season. I uh, encountered some errors in my formulas the other night, and it caused me to have a bit of an anxiety attack because uh, I was basically referring to data that doesn't make any sense, which was very frustrating. And so now I'm trying to overhaul all of my charts that I had been relying on the entire season uh, as I try to get out a season recap before more prospects before and players. Yeah. Before next season, but also before like all the current prospects like leave to go to play in Europe, which we yeah. just saw with Lucas Yashik. So I like under the gun to try and get something finished before everybody's gone, especially before the expansion draft, because one of Jonah Gadjevich or Cole Lind might be a Seattle Kraken by this time next month. So, Jeez. Until then, folks. Yeah, I know. Geez. There's a lot coming up once this playoffs is over. But until then, folks, we will catch you. No doubt. Uh, You can catch us on our next episode, which will probably be dropping next Tuesday, depending on what drops in the news-o-sphere for hockey. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.